Well, let's pray. Father, open my mouth that I might speak your words in a way that others can understand what you have to say to them this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about what's really worth having. We all want to have something to rejoice in. We want to have things which make us feel like we're okay. Things that make us feel like we can lift up our heads. We can hold up our heads before others. We can hold up our heads before ourselves, even before God. Can we hold up our heads and receive the message, you're all good. You know, you're accepted, you're approved, you're righteous. We want to have things which help us to kind of face life and enjoy its possibilities and survive its troubles and crises and criticisms and difficulties. And the human instinct and habit is to put together a kind of portfolio of things that we can rest upon and rejoice in. My mum is proud of me. My dad loves me. I do well at school. I'm in the A-team. I graduated from a good university. My business has made a lot of money for me and for my family. My kids are great and doing well. I'm a good person, open-minded, accepting, caring. I work to make the world a better place. I do my bit for the right causes. I give back. And as we rest and rejoice in all these things, they become for us our sense of our righteousness, our power for living. If we lose confidence for whatever reason, these things we can easily try to draw on to give us a basis for renewed confidence. If someone criticises us, we can meet their criticism and say to ourselves, well, you say that, but I know this about me. And we tell us something about ourselves. My kids are great and doing well. My business has made a lot of money, and so I don't need to worry about your criticism. If we face trouble or suffering, we have resources to deal with it. We draw on what's in our portfolio, the money in our bank account, the reputation, the connections, whatever we have. If we wonder what our life really means, if we have this kind of existential moment of, what am I worth? What's it all for? Well, you know, we pull out our portfolio and we kind of... Say, here's who I am, and here's who I've become, and this is what I've done. Now, that's a very normal and human habit. In this passage, though, Paul reminds us that there is something far better than anything we might put in our life portfolio, and that is the crucial thing, the heart and soul of the Christian faith. And that is knowing Jesus Christ. It's gaining Jesus Christ. It's being found in Jesus Christ. All of that holds surpassingly better possibilities and joys than anything we might put in our portfolio. Paul tells something of his own story of how knowing Christ has upended his whole approach to life and how he rejoices in Christ and wants others to do the same. So we're going to look at that uh, passage from Philippians as we are working through the letter to the Philippians. 
That's the New Testament reading, and you might have that open in front of you. Uh, And we see at least two things here. Firstly, it is possible to rejoice in the wrong thing. And secondly, it is surpassingly better to know Christ and rejoice in him. So let's start with the first bit. It's, It's possible to rejoice in the wrong thing. That is, to rejoice in a kind of humanly constructed CV. Paul opens the passage with his basic encouragement. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. If you're going to rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. You could rejoice in yourself or some other thing, but don't rejoice in those things. Rejoice in the Lord. And he is going to go on and do that, to essentially rejoice in the Lord. But he firstly turns to warn his readers about some dangerous rival party who, in Paul's view, are rejoicing in something else other than the Lord in the end. He says in verse 2, watch out. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, that's pretty strong language, and you might ask, who's he talking about? Who's he got it in for so much? And to understand this passage, and in fact many other passages in the New Testament, it helps to be aware of a great controversy that uh, was going on in the years in which the New Testament was written. It crops up in Acts and in Paul's epistles. Uh, We could call it the Judaizing controversy. And it concerns whether Gentiles, non-Jews, who became Christians should keep Jewish law. Now, some believers in Jesus thought the answer to this question was, yes, they should keep Jewish law. Because, after all, Jesus is the Messiah of Israel. Uh, To belong, then, to the Messiah, you should belong also to Israel, essentially. You should, if you're a man, you should be circumcised. You should uh, receive that sign of the covenant people and everyone All you Gentiles who are coming to believe in Christ, you should all essentially live as Jews. You should Judaize. Now, Paul taught the opposite. He thought, should Christian believers who are not Jews become Jews, start observing Jewish law? Paul says, absolutely not. Paul's view was, Jesus is the Messiah of Israel and all nations. He's for everyone. And to belong to the Messiah, you don't have to belong to Israel. You need only trust in Christ. Put your faith in him. Entrust yourself to him and say, Jesus, be my Lord and Saviour. Receive then his spirit and that is, that's it. That's what it is to come to belong to Jesus, to be a Christian. You don't have to also be circumcised by the law, live as a Jew. And Paul was passionately opposed to those who are pushing circumcision and law-keeping for Gentile Christians. They were, in Paul's view, the dogs, the evildoers, the mutilators of the flesh because they're advocating you, you cut something off your body that there's no need to do that. And in verses 4 to 11, Paul uses his own situation to explain what he thought was wrong in their approach and what the right thing to treasure and rejoice is was. And so in verses 3 to 6, Paul says, Confidence in the flesh 
is the wrong approach. Right? That is, if you like, confidence in your human state, confidence in a portfolio of marks of your own identity, your right identity and your achievements, your virtue and decency. That is the wrong thing to put your confidence in. For Paul, his CV of Jewish identity and achievement was impeccable. And so he says, look, I have every reason to think that this approach could work for me. Right? If someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, he says. He belonged to the right tribe. I mean, literally the right tribe. He was brought up in the best circles. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. And then to the advantages of his birth, he could add the way he had lived up to this Jewish identity that he'd been born with. He says, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. That's who I was. That is, I was serious about the Jewish faith. I was orthodox. I was sound. And as for zeal, he says, persecuting the church. I was active. I was ready to do really anything for the cause, even violent and coercive things. And as for righteousness based on the law, faultless, I was devout, he says. I was observant. I was conscientious. And all of this would seem to be something to draw confidence from, to feel like, like I'm one of the good guys. I'm with the right people. I'm doing the right things. God should be pleased with me. I'm serving him. And I've got what it takes in that way to do well in life. But Paul says that he cannot rejoice in any of that. Because Christ has come. And Christ has found him. And knowing Christ is surpassingly better than looking to where he was born and what he's done with it. It's surpassingly better then, secondly, to know Christ and to rejoice in him. Verses 7 to 8, he says, But whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ, because of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, very famously, something completely unexpected happened to Paul. He came to know Christ, and not because he kind of decided to go investigating Jesus. No, Christ came and found him in this famous way on the Damascus Road in a shining vision. Paul says it this way in Galatians 1, 13 to 16. He says, I was advancing in Judaism and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my people. But God, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. And this revelation of Jesus Christ overturned Paul's whole life. As he says in verse 8, what is more, I consider everything, everything I had, everything I did, everything I was, that's, that's a loss, really. It's a distraction. It's an irrelevancy. It's something not to be valued anymore because I've got something better. 
something of surpassing worth, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I've actually been willing to let them go. My life has been a movement out of those circles. I'm now the enemy of the people who used to be my friends. Everything that I had, I've given up for the sake of Christ. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So Paul says, look, knowing Jesus Christ, this is, is what of, is of surpassing worth. It's, it's better than anything, better than grand final tickets. I don't know how many people went, but I heard some pretty high prices <laughs> paid for grand final tickets. Better than that. Better than a, a flag, a Brownlow, a Norm Smith medal. Knowing Jesus Christ is a personal relationship, a spiritual encounter with him. It's something inward, sometimes vivid, for some people sometimes overwhelming. Sometimes, though, it's it's a low-key sense of connection that I can pray and I know he hears me. I hear his voice to me in the scriptures. Sometimes my relationship with Jesus seems kind of a bit clouded over, as if it's not vivid, not even there in a low-key sense. But even though it may have these moods and seasons, it is there as something fundamentally compelling and precious and powerful in my life. Certainly enough to win someone's faith and trust in the Christ Jesus we meet in the Bible. This knowing Jesus Christ, this is the heart and soul of Christianity. This is the engine which drives everything. Right? It's why Christians say, as they do from time to time, that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Now, Christians do come to church. They do say their prayers. They do live by an ethic and a moral standard. They do repent of their sins and read their Bibles and seek to do good. And in this way... It is a religion. It's a way of life, a religion of a good kind. But Christians do all this because we have come to know Christ. We haven't come to know him finally or perfectly or constantly or undoubtedly. However, we have come to know him truly and tellingly and transformatively. Knowing Christ replaces finding yourself, your value, your righteousness in your own life portfolio. Your own kind of CV of who I am and who I've become. Paul said of his impeccable Jewish credentials, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, That comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is on the basis of faith. Paul, you see, gave up the whole project of building a CV that he could show to God, here God, here's what I've done, here's who I am. Show to others, look, I'm a good guy, look at this. Or show to myself, this is why I feel all right about myself, because of who I am and what I've done. Paul said, away with that. He knew such a CV might impress others and he knew it might bolster his own self-image, but he knew it wouldn't impress God. And after meeting Jesus Christ, he thought, what's the point? 
There's something so much better, knowing Christ. And he knew that in Jesus Christ, God had a wholly different righteousness for him. A righteousness which was through faith in Christ. A righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. It's a gift. It's a grace of God to us. Not something we build and strive in our own power in the hope that maybe God will think, okay, good enough. No. It comes from God. It's a gift. It is by faith. We receive and live out. So instead of confidence in the flesh, the CV building project, Paul had faith in Christ, the righteousness from God through Christ option. So as we come to the end, the question for us is, which camp are we in, you and I? The natural place to be is in the CV building project, the life portfolio building project, giving yourself reasons to be accepted and respected and considered one of the decent people. You know, to write down in your little CV, I'm honest and hardworking. I do so much for others. Lots of people depend on me. I've served in this church for years. I've stayed on the straight and narrow. Is that you? Is that the way you think and feel and act? Putting confidence in the flesh, in who you are, in what you do. If that is you, and to the degree that it is a habit that's in all of us in an ongoing way, can I encourage you with Paul to put no confidence in the flesh? Not to depend on your life portfolio of virtue and decency. Instead, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in God's gift of a righteousness, a good standing, an acceptance, a worthiness that comes not from you, not from what you've done or become, but it comes from God through Christ. Trust in Christ and pursue him. Rest in Christ as the one who will clothe you with a righteousness from God. Knowing Christ is discovering power and freedom and wealth and love and wisdom and meaning. Not as the world sees them, but in God's own way. These things come to us in Christ, and that is of surpassing wealth. Shall we pray? Father, help us to discern the way we do live our lives and whether we are putting confidence in the flesh, in our flesh, in who we are, in who, where we were born and how we've lived well, and what we've made of ourselves. And help us to see, Lord, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and help us to know him and help us to seek to know him more. Help us to rest in him as the one who will clothe us with a righteousness that comes from you. Help us to rejoice in him, to know the joy and the freedom 
that receiving this gift of your grace brings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.